With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, squad? Welcome to another episode of SSPN Postgame. I guess we took that little break, Ethan, and, and I think the Spurs just needed a break from us to start winning yeah. games because since we've came back, obviously there's been some other things going on, but it's been two straight blowouts for the Spurs. Um, you know, this Pistons team tonight, I mean, I was texting in a Spurs group chat earlier and I was like, you know, we just beat the COVID Lakers and they still had Russ Braun and and Dwight Howard and you know you think about that and then you look at the Pistons and they have basically the same amount of people out so you can only imagine you know the level of competition that yeah. you're going up you know <laughs> against whenever it came to this one and that and that's kind of why the score looks similar at the end of the game uh, whenever it comes to the point differential between these two teams when you compare the Lakers game in this one but if you watch this one you know that it was getting close to 40 um, at some points in this game and it was definitely uh, even more of a domination. I mean, Keldon Johnson, 27 points, uh, four for four from three in just 23 minutes. He could have had an even bigger career night, but they knew there was no point to do that. Um, so, I mean, not too much to take away from this one, Ethan. I mean, I hate I hate to make this about any NBA team, but really this was a tune-up game for the Jazz tomorrow, um, which will actually be a decently even matchup because Donovan Mitchell didn't make the trip with the Jazz, not because of health and safety protocols. He actually has a back injury. They mentioned that on the broadcast. So um, that's something that will make tomorrow's game a little bit more competitive for the Spurs, which I'm sure we'll talk about at the end of this show. But talking about how this one went, Ethan, I know you were only here for a little bit of this one. You can ask me some questions for the first half as well if you want to. But what were your thoughts on what you saw? Like you said, the competition was slim to none, unfortunately, for the Detroit Pistons. I mean, they're bad with when they have their best players on the court, and they didn't have uh, Jeremy Grant. They didn't have Cade Cunningham, Kelly Olenek. Uh, so it, it was definitely a game we should have won. But a big thing to take away from this game the Spurs at the beginning of the season might have let the Pistons stay in this and be competitive. So it shows a lot of experience and, and like a, a change in our overall mindset growth. to be able to, yes, growth, to be able to keep our foot on their necks the entire game. It was never close at all. We did what we were supposed to do. We executed offensively and defensively and got a good win, 35 point uh, deficit or 35 point differential tonight. Uh, but for me, Jude, the biggest difference between the two teams was for once we were able to outsize our opponent one and then secondly our passing was just way better 39 assists for us 17 for the detroit pistons when we are able to move the rock and nobody's dominating the basketball we're able to win even without our best player uh Dejounte murray yeah and you know obviously this whole episode tonight is kind of going to have a little asterisk next to it because not only are we playing the five and 26 pistons <laughs> but we're playing the like covid riddled you know luca garza's out there starting all that good mm. stuff but still, your point stands because that was one of the things that I noticed. Specifically, the player that I noticed the most was Devin Vassell. Once again, yeah. obviously, lower competition, which allows him to do some things that maybe he usually doesn't do. But even in that scenario, you kind of got to see players show off skills that they don't always get to show off. I mean, I saw so many passes from Devin Vassell tonight to cutters, and that wasn't something that I had really seen before from him. So him yeah. getting the opportunity to show that off tonight was a great thing. 
Um, I saw some great passes from Primo. Um, there were some other passes from Vassell also that maybe they were to Jock Landale or to somebody else, but that pass led to like a wide open shooter somewhere. A so assist. yeah, exactly. And, and so that was something that was really cool to see tonight. And if, you know, uh, once again, we know the circumstances, but in this that those are some of the things that we can kind of see and take away from in a game mm-hmm. like this, which was really cool to see because there were some skills that I hadn't seen from some of our guys. So that was awesome. I don't want to jinx ourselves, um, but it seems to me the past six or seven games, we've really turned a corner with our confidence, especially offensively. It seems like we're not relying on DeJounte and Derek necessarily, but everybody's being aggressive. Everybody's moving well without the basketball Lonnie Walker seems to find be in a new headspace that allows him to be a better playmaker. Trey Jones has elevated his game, uh, you know, being a great defender as well as a facilitator. And then Lonnie, and like I said, like I talked about Lonnie Walker and Devin Vassell. Um, and then also, of course, Jock Landale finally emerging as a quality backup big. And you saw his impact tonight with 18 points, uh, he had five rebounds, three assists. I mean, the guy's an absolute monster in the paint. Uh, I don't expect these kind of numbers every night, but it's nice to know that we have somebody that can compete with other seven footers, other big bodies. Um, that's a place we really struggled uh, prior to him actually getting some, some solid minutes. So I, I hope we can continue this kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for to this, Just this um, uh, rhythm. There you go. Yes. <laughs> continue the rhythm. Let's hope it's not a, 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 a thing that we only saw for this five game stretch. Uh, let's keep up that consistency and moving forward, and maybe we can squeeze into the play-in tournament. Who knows? With COVID right now, maybe we squeeze into the eighth seed. It's 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 not unlikely. Well, what's crazy is on the broadcast they were talking about obviously a lot of season left, but with the Spurs winning tonight, I believe they're one game back at the sixth seed. Really? Mm-hmm. That is nuggets. nuts. Yeah, that it's nuts. nuts. It's nuts. And you think about it, the Lakers were just in the sixth seed. They're six and, sixteen and seventeen now, sixteen yeah. and eighteen. So. The West this year, uh, it's taken a little bit of a dip. It's pretty. It's a little more top heavy than you know what the Spurs mm-hmm. have been used to. So that's another you know positive outlook for this team. Obviously, like you said, you know I think that eventually, probably that this will slow down a little bit. Everybody will get their players back, and then you know some of these games will be a little bit tougher for the Spurs. So I don't want anybody to get their expectations too high. Yes. But I think in a down year in the West, um, you know that play in even if you're the seven or the eight seed you're still a playing team so just kind of that play in area seven to ten uh that may be a spot for where the spurs end up if they keep playing this way because they're playing very well right now and i want to go back to something that you kind of alluded to earlier and that's just with the switch being flipped and i think when we go back to the spurs having problems and one of the main storylines this year it was when pop had to kind of tell them like hey nba teams aren't going to go away And tonight on the broadcast, when you were out at dinner, one of the things that Sean Elliott was saying, because they kind of get, you know, can see a little bit more like being on the floor. They're not in the huddle, but they can see Um, at the beginning of this game when the Spurs were a little bit slow on rotations, even Keldon missed one. And it was like 17, 14 pop literally just gave him like kind of that same like talk apparently in the timeout. That's what Sean Elliott was saying. And after that, that was when they just ran away with it. So it's good to see that, like you said, even without DeJounte, they can still get that motor going and have a big game. And specifically with Keldon, it's huge to see this from him tonight because even though, and I've said this like five times already, but even despite the competition, like to show that he can still do that, like this is what our idea of him 
if it's true, this is what he should do, if that yes. makes sense. So yes, that was really good to see from him tonight, just to know that, hey, like he can dominate these guys. Like he's like that, even though we don't see it so much because DeJounte is usually doing his thing and Derek is usually doing his thing. Um, to see him be able to show that he can be that guy in times like this was huge for the team. And another thing and another player who kind of showed something was Derek White. The way that mm -hmm. Derek was able to facilitate tonight, yeah, only one for three, but he knew what his role was tonight. Go out there, facilitate until we're up by a certain amount, and then let the run guy, young guys get some good minutes. And that's exactly what he did. So just to know that, like, we already knew we had Trey Jones, but to know that Derek can still play that point guard role mm -hmm. after he's been kind of switched to the two these past two years and was playing really a lot more off ball when DeMar DeRozan was here. Um, it's good to know that he can still be that guy as a point guard if, you know, because you never know when, you know, maybe DeJounte just twists his ankle one game or something like yeah. that. So I um, want to give a shout out to you guys in the comments. Nick Boudet, Carlos A. from Japan. We appreciate you. And Luis Hernandez. We're going to talk about that jazz game a little bit later. Um, but yeah, man, uh, just a just a great performance from the Spurs. This may not be the longest episode just because of the way yeah. that this one yeah. went. Um, but one guy in the minus category tonight, and that was Drew Eubanks. And it, and he really didn't even, like, he was just out there getting fouled, basically, for the, the last yeah. 12 minutes. So, like, you can't even really, you know. He still got like, eight and seven yeah. on 50% shooting. Like, mm -hmm. that's decent mm -hmm. for Drew. And shout um, out to uh, Trey Jones. Like you said that De Derek stepped up to take over as the facilitator because DeJounte was out. Trey Jones with 11 assists tonight doing exactly what you and I thought he would do uh, as a backup point guard, which is be that facilitator off the bench, allowing guys like Lonnie and Devin to eat and score. And uh, apparently tonight, Jacques Landale uh, to get 18 as well. So shout out to him. His defense is always on par as well. And he had eight points, which is you know pretty good. It's right in there with Lonnie and Devin, actually. They both had eight points, all three of them. Yep. Yep. Okay. So going back to Jock Landale, not to change the subject, but that's Go kind ahead. of the biggest storyline here is it, that is it seems like he's our backup center. Um, the way that he can stretch the floor, the way that he always knows where to be. Shout out to the Spurs way on Twitter and Zach Montana. He was tweeting about how he just every time he comes in, he just makes basketball plays. And that's mm -hmm. the thing that Pop was talking about. You know, even though he's got the size, he may not be like the most athletic guy, might not jump the highest, may not, you know, run the fastest. But he just hustles and just goes crazy. And as Eric Flores says, he, he's the best backup center on the roster right now. And I, I can't say that because of the way Jakob has just been for us and the defensive mm -hmm. anchor he is. But Jock Landale can play with the starters if we need him to. I yeah. really feel like that. I know that sounds crazy, but this dude, man, he, he is just a basketball player. He understands his role. And it's from that experience overseas at the NBL, being the guy, he understands what is needed out of him as the backup center. I think that is the most important thing. Because I think Drew oftentimes would do too much. Like he would get in, into his head and be like, I have to score here. And then he would just turn the ball over. Or I have to go get an offensive rebound here. And then he'd get an over-the-back foul. Or he'd be too aggressive. Jacques just kind of lets the game come to him, finds his spots. And like you said, he's able to maneuver his, his big body to get into position to get easy putbacks and rebounds that are desperately needed because we're so undersized as guys like Dougie McBuckets and Keldon Johnson playing four oftentimes on our roster. Yeah, and you know, when you talk about Drew, it may seem like, oh, he's been in the league longer, he's played longer. But really, Jock has, is one older than him, and he just mm -hmm. has more experience than him. Like, I know yeah. he doesn't have as much NBA experience, but we've talked about this so many times 
Um, the level of play in the NBL, while it's not, it's probably like the third best basketball league, maybe fourth, you know, if you really want to go down the list, um, his experience on the Olympic team is invaluable. And we saw the way that he was able to roll with Bam Adebayo. And when you can play with Bam Adebayo in a high stakes game, even if you end up taking the L and you can give him, you know, a problem, you know, on a couple of plays, like, you know, okay, this guy can play in the NBA. And we've seen it in these past two games. I don't think that he's going to be, you know, getting close to 20 points like he has been in these last two once all the players start coming back. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that the Spurs have found a very valuable backup center. And this is all amidst the man who is just hyping us up on the sidelines right now, Zach Collins still being out. So when those three come out, you talked about the size the Spurs were able to play with today. Another thing I love about Keldon was he was able to get this 27 while playing the two um, starting out, which is just something that we kind of talked about at the beginning of the year. His versatility of being able to play the two, three or four. We kind of got to see that two ability tonight in the position he was in but when you kind of start mixing those I mean I I feel very confident we'll probably see if Zach Collins does come back this year a Zach Collins Jock Landale front court coming off the bench and I think that is another thing that is going to help out the Spurs a lot whenever it comes to boards and just size if we've talked about this year for sure I wouldn't be surprised I mean hell we might as well put him in the starting lineup too yeah maybe I mean he could shoot yeah if somebody gets hurt Exactly. He's a capable uh, three-point shooter at his size. I know Doug. we, we kind of like Doug McDermott there right now. He hey, he played the three tonight and, yeah. and spread the floor. He, he had 19 and 19, so or yes, 13, sir. excuse me. Yes. Three, three threes, though. Correct. And I didn't see a majority of the first half, Jude, so I want to ask you, when I tuned in in the second half, it was pretty clear that it was a one-sided ball game. Was it like that the entire time, or was there a point where it looked like Detroit actually might be in this game? basically until the first time out in the first quarter um they were they were just it was just an even game the spurs were missing some rotations on defense they weren't playing bad they were playing a little sloppy on offense not anything like crazy um in the circumstances it you need to pick it up um but i think it was 17 to 14 when they called that first time out kind of going back to what i said earlier with sean elliott pop just kind of gave him a little kick in the butt and then it was like next thing we knew we're up by 20 so that was really What'd you say? How did Kata play? So that's one thing. I'm glad you brought that up because that's the other storyline you were talking about maybe playing Jock at the four. I don't know if my man Jock is going to get minutes at the four with the way that Kata mm-hmm. Bates Diop is playing. You know, he just doesn't try to do too much. 10 yep. and 6 tonight, but, you know, plus 13. And, you know, we've talked on this show how stats aren't everything, but. For Kieta Bates-Diop, I think that the plus-minus is a very good way of looking at the way that he's played, just because he's such a he does things that don't show up on the stat sheet. And he he plays good defense. He has solid contests. He's so lengthy. He knows how to rotate. I mean, he he it's kind of like Jock Landale. He except he does it almost less. I know he had 30 against the Lakers, but that was kind of the way that I could describe his game tonight. He just, he fills in, doesn't make mistakes, and is a versatile, switchable defender. 10 points tonight. That's about where I thought he might be. Hopefully for the remainder of season around that 10-point mark after such a great performance against the Lakers. Yeah, and when you talk about that game, it was, you know, when you look at his buckets, it was just missed rotations by the Lakers. I mean, he did get some buckets on Braun. You got to give him credit there. Um, but it was mainly just, you know, dunks and stuff like that. And he just did a little bit less of that tonight. And that was just because there were less, he just lets the game come to him. 
That's literally what he does. And so just like you said with Jock. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's very eerie how those were kind of the two signings this year. And now that we're here on December 26th, it's like these two dudes, they just know where to be. And they're both 25. I mean, got a lot of upside, not even in their primes yet. Yeah. Um, Great one. And Kevin Randolph, we appreciate you being in here. We're right up the road from SA. Um, And yeah, KBD, very reliable every game, just like my man Luis says in the comments right now. And even though Bryn Forbes had 22 minutes tonight, I don't think that his performance tonight means that he's any less likely to be traded before the deadline. Would you agree? I think that this game all but confirmed that him and Thad are are getting shipped on the trade deadline. I hope they go to contending teams um, yeah. and they just are, end up, you know, in Phoenix somewhere, just somewhere where they can, you know, be in a position that is kind of better suits them for what they want. Um, and for what their skills so that they can be utilized because watching tonight you know you saw Bryn come in but it just seems like there's there's getting a little bit of a separation and I think that's just because they're finding their groove with all the young guys right now I mean and if DeJounte played you wouldn't have saw Bryn tonight I think so too and shout out to Primo who had 15 minutes nine points (laughs) he even looked better than Bryn tonight way better that step back three, I did something similar today when I was playing pickup, oh, yeah. dude. But mine was obviously better because I'm just I'm yeah. that guy. I'm that yeah. guy on the court. But, <laughs> uh, but that was dirty. That that was a veteran James Harden type move. Um, all the confidence in the world from the now 19 year old. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Man, he he just oozes potential. Uh, we saw Weezy get an athletic layup. Yeah. Um, that's another thing about him and Doug McDermott. I think a while back I mentioned how those players are kind of built in the same mold, how they're like more athletic than you think they are. Obviously, I think that Wee's camp is going to have a little bit higher ceiling whenever it comes to that athleticism right now. Um, yeah. But you saw the you saw the Duncan scream from Doug tonight, and I was like, "All right, this is the type of game that we're going to have when when Doug is out there dunking and yelling." I'm like, "Oh, all right, this is not something we've seen so far this year." So. That was all good, but I kind of want to switch gears with you, Ethan, if you don't mind, and just kind of look toward tomorrow, because that's really the main storyline here. Both teams, best players are out, um, or not the main storyline, but I guess the most important thing for the Spurs moving forward in this back-to-back. Against the Jazz, Donovan Mitchell out for them, DeJounte Murray out for the Spurs. Um, It's kind of ironic, too, because we talked about how Yach has kind of been a baby Gobert at times when it comes to being that defensive anchor in the post. He's going to go up against the real thing tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, So what are your thoughts on this game, and and what do you think are the Spurs' chances in this one? I know they're without Donovan Mitchell, which makes defensively a little bit easier. Um, But as far as our offense goes, I'm a little bit nervous because Rudy Gobert, you've seen that highlight of like three different Spurs players going into the paint to score, seeing Rudy Gobert and deciding I'm going to just turn around and pass it out because they're terrified of his defensive ability as a paint defender. Um, And I think we've realized over the past couple of games that our success comes from guys like Derek White being aggressive, Keldon Johnson being aggressive, getting into the paint creating offense for other players. So I'm hoping that mentally our guys are going to continue to do that despite seeing that seven foot one monster and Rudy Gobert down low. I hope they don't become passive all of a sudden because if they become passive, then all of a sudden it's going to be very difficult for our shooters to get open. We shot very well tonight from three point land, 48%. And if we're not shooting well from the three point land tomorrow, I don't think that we can win the basketball game because even without Donovan Mitchell, they still have scores like Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley is capable of being that guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then Rudy Gay might have a revenge game. You never know. 
So there's still it's still going to be a competitive game. I forgot I just about that. Exactly. We're seeing Rudy just, for the first time. We are seeing Rudy for the first time. It's, I think it's going to depend on how well Derek White plays and how well Lonnie Walker the fourth plays, um, because it's going to be a matchup between Lonnie and their their version of Lonnie, which is Jordan Clarkson, and whoever can get cooking more. I think that team might come out on top. It's going to be a battle of the benches, in my opinion. I like that. I like that. Uh, Luis Hernandez, yes, DJ is out. Health and safety protocol. Luckily, just him right now. Um, But going back to what you said, uh, I think that's a great point. (laughs) Because Jordan Clarkson, man, it, it took me a second. Like you said, Jordan Clarkson. And then I remembered Jordan Clarkson always goes crazy in San Antonio. Yes, yes. Clark, am I crazy? Come on. I think he's from Clark. Please tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, you're, I think you're right. He okay, is or right. Please tell me I'm right. I know he's from San Antonio, but let me let me see if I can get the high school right. I know I know Jordan Burns is from Marshall, but I gotta I gotta figure out where he went to high school now. Okay, Wagner. I knew was I thought Clark. I almost said I was Wagner. To say sure. Wagner's elite, not Clark. I, I yeah. Dang it. Um, speaking of which, Austin Nunez, another Clark product, going to Arizona State, but that is besides the point. Um, he's a senior this year, uh, but. When it comes to the Spurs game, I think another key factor tomorrow against the Jazz is going to be Derek White. I mm-hmm. think he's obviously only 16 minutes tonight, which you love to see on a back-to-back, especially when he's going to have to carry the load. Yes. Um, not only are we going to need that three-point shooting, like you said, I think that's going to be crucial. This is another thing where I'm going to knock on wood when I say it, but the thing is with the Spurs team, recently they've, they've been hot shooting-wise. They really yes. have. So if you're going into this game and you need to shoot well to win because of the presence of Rudy Gobert in the paint, um, who may disrupt some of the driving kicks and stuff like that. Or maybe it's an opportunity to take advantage of the driving kicks, um, depending on how the game goes. But definitely going to need that three-point shooting. But I think we're going to need... I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say we're going to need at least a 20-point performance from Derek tomorrow night to have a chance to win. I I would agree with that. 100%. 100%. He needs to be the primary scorer for sure. Yeah. yeah. Unless Kelvin so, can have another crazy game. Yeah, that is true. I don't mind that. If Derek's just going to go out and facilitate and Kelvin's going crazy, which Kelvin 4 for 4 tonight from the mm-hmm. three-point track just got right back on track from that last one. It looks like he just, like, I don't even, I can't show it on the screen, but, like, his elbow is more cocked back yeah, when it's yeah. shooting. And it's all, it's all, like, I was just Picture texting. It, looking at, t- going back to my Spurs chat, I texted. I was like, Keldon really just got strapped up after a few sessions with Chip. Like, mm-hmm. it really just, he's just going crazy now. He's currently third in the league in uh, shooting percentage, shooting 45% from three. Three-point contest, maybe, Jude? Yes. So I'm glad you said that because Jeff G. Spurzone tweeted that. He's like, they got to put him in. I'm like, I agree. The only problem is when you go to the stats on NBA.com, because I was looking at the lead, league leaders, the field goal percentage, although Kelvin is taking a lot of threes, so I feel like he's really got an argument. But versus the people who just have like the most amount of made threes, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very different story. You see a lot more like uh, yeah. <laughs> all-star level players like Steph and, and all those guys where, you know, you go look at who's leading the league right now in three-point percentage and it's Cody Martin. Mm-hmm. And then there's somebody else that I don't even really remember that maybe I'm being disrespectful to. And then there's Keldon. So like that's the, the difference there. So it'll be a little bit of a tough go just like getting any spur right now into the all-star game. Um, but kind of like DeJounte, I think DeJounte's got a chance to get in there. And I think that Kelton's got a chance to get in that three-point competition. Are they still doing um, I the don't skills know what, challenge? 
Oh, that too. But I, I was thinking maybe Devin, I don't know if he's played well enough consistently this season, but maybe he can make the uh, the rising, rising stars. Hmm. hmm. I don't That's I don't know what his competition is, but I think that didn't he get voted for like most improved player this year? Didn't he get votes for that like going into the season? I remember As, like, seeing to be. Yeah, and Keldon got more than him, but he like got like some votes on the list. So maybe mm. uh definitely Keldon though. Keldon will be in that thing for sure. And the Rising Stars game? Oh wait, no, it's only first and second yeah, year. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't think he Pain. qualifies. Forgot about yeah. that. Did he play last year? He made it the COVID year, but because COVID happened, ah. they canceled the All Star game. Gotcha. Right? The bubble was gotcha. the, not, the year after the bubble. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, yeah, maybe Devin Vassell. <laughs> I still think that homeboy Keldon, it feels like he's in his second year I know still. It does. But I mean it's his second year on like the Spurs, so that's probably why we're feeling like that. But um when I say that I mean like right like pl- playing consistent minutes on like the actual Spurs, not the Austin Spurs. Cool. Um Poor Devontae Kaycock. We can talk about a funny moment. Right? <laughs> he came in and was just playing physical, and they were just calling everything tonight. So many fouls on him. Three. Okay, that, that was actually the one thing that I wanted. So this is a good point from John Mendez. I'm getting totally off topic of what I was just saying mid-sentence there. But that will be interesting to see. Hopefully, Keldon can get up to enough to qualify for that. Mm, um, yeah. I think he will. I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say that he will qualify. Whether or not he gets selected is a different story. Um and now, because I answered that comment, completely forgot what I was saying. Oh, this is what it was, actually. Okay, I'm remembering. So only two refs tonight. Oh. And I'm not mad at it. It wasn't, like, terrible. But I don't know. It feels like... So the refs are getting hit with health and safety protocols right now, too. So this is just an NBA trend that we can watch. Because there are the, <laughs> the fouls in the last game against the Lakers and in this one, and this is both sides, not just the Spurs. There were bad calls on the Lakers and there were bad calls on the Pistons tonight. I don't even think Luka Garza should have fouled out. And no. he was on the bench when he said, he said, that's five. I was like, you're right. Um, so that's just something that we need to watch in the league is kind of an overall trend that you guys can pay attention to, because if that keeps happening, we're getting the backup refs in and that can change some games. You know, yeah, that's sure. crazy. It's crazy to think about, but I remember I have an athlete friend and he tweeted a couple years back. They're like, what's something that can change the game? Like other than the players, blah, blah, blah. It was a tweet and he replied and said the referee. So, you, you know, it's not everything, but it, it's just something to definitely pay attention to with all the stuff that's going on right now, because there just might, it just might be something that we all need to prepare ourselves mm. for that the calls may not be, you know, that we already are frustrated with them in the first place, but you might be even more frustrated with them yeah. over the next couple of weeks. For sure. I could, I know only, I only watched probably like 75% of the game. It was worse in the first half. Yeah. It wasn't really. Yeah. And the second in half my was opinion. still pretty bad. And I was like, Ooh, that was kind of rough. Yeah. Missing yeah. a few. You gotta, you gotta give them a little bit of credit. Cause there were only two rests tonight. But yeah. Like, that is the state of things. So, you know what? I've never understood you. I mean, so. I don't know. I guess I'm wrong. If, <laughs> they, 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 you need a ref on the. I was gonna say, why can't the refs just like watch a monitor and and be like, that's a foul? Because I feel like that'd be way easier. But at the same time, you kind of have to be on the court to like see certain w- things, certain things about the game. So I guess I'm wrong. But I feel like I'll maybe the, one ref. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no. I would actually wouldn't be mad at that if you just have a ref on the monitor. Like you, yeah. they already do three out of fourth, and just put one on the sideline. Watch the game. 
Like, and they can just call something if they, if, if it doesn't get called. I don't, I don't hate that idea. That's not and you're crazy. creating more jobs. There you, yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> I'm such an economist. I uh, know. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's funny. That's funny. It was so funny that I forgot what I was going to say next. I apologize. Um, you're fine. Any <laughs> final thoughts moving into tomorrow's game against the Jazz? I hope Rudy Gay doesn't get 30. You know, honestly, I think that's great because Patty Mills had 30 last night. So, yeah, that – and remember against the Hornets where they just picked us apart without LaMelo because James Borrego understood our roster? This is something where I guarantee you, one, Quinn Snyder is another yeah. Spurs person, and two, he's going to be like, Rudy, tell me about these guys. So this could be a tough one. Luckily, Donovan Mitchell's out. But it's mm-hmm. still going to be tough, especially with DJ out. So, um, twenty three and nine, Jazz are one of the best teams in the league still. Throughout all this, they're also one of the healthier teams in the league. Have they have as of right now on the injury report, none of their injury. They have no people in health and safety protocols. Mm-hmm. Donovan's just out for back. Um, so, one of the best defensive teams too. Yeah, yeah, all the way around, not just Rudy. This will be a real test for the Spurs on this hot mm-hmm. streak. It really will. So. Anyways, we appreciate you guys joining us tonight. We will be back tomorrow night to recap that Jazz Spurs game. Am I right on that, Ethan? Yes, yes. Tomorrow? Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. We will be doing post-game then. Uh, don't forget to stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter at Ethan underscore Contero, at Jude McLaren, and you guys will get all the updates. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you liked this channel and liked this post-game as well. We appreciate you guys, and we will see y'all in the next one. Yeah. <laughs>